Welcome to the Cup of Sunshine podcast series. I'm your host, Deb Cup. I was inspired to start this series to bring some positive energy and inspiration, something I think all of us can use in our daily lives. So in my quest to fill your cup of sunshine, I've invited people who I admire to have conversations with me, share lessons, insights that I hope can really benefit all of us. I actually started Cup of Sunshine First as a video series on LinkedIn. So please make sure to check it out on my LinkedIn page for video highlights of my conversations. But here on this podcast, you're going to be able to listen to the full conversations. So thank you so much for tuning in. I wanted to share a conversation with all of you that I had with John Levy, who joined me at one of, and my team at a remote event we had in the last couple of weeks. John is a behavioral scientist, best known for his book, You're Invited, The Art and Science of Cultivating Influence. I am fascinated by John and his work. We had such a great conversation and he really challenged us to rethink the ways we normally consider how we create connections and how we actually build trust, especially in the world of sales where people think, oh, we have to go golfing, we have to have fancy dinners, we gotta give stuff away, when in fact, that's not at all how we build relationships and we build trust. So let's take a look at some of the great advice he provides all of us that we can actually put into practice starting right away. John, I'm so excited to have you here with us today. Thank you so much for joining us. And I thought it might be cool just to take a minute, if you don't mind, describing what exactly is a behavioral scientist. Okay. So I think possibly the funnest way I've figured out how to describe this actually involves us playing a little bit of a game together. And oh, for all of you, for all of like the MSUS team that's uh, seeing this, wherever you are, you can play along. All you'll need is your cell phone. And okay. Deb, can, do you have your cell phone with you? I do. Okay, perfect. I want you to put it, just put it face down okay. wherever you are okay. on your table, on your couch, wherever you are. And here's a question for you. Okay. You know how everybody has an app on the bottom right corner of their screen? Yes. Okay. Now, without looking at your phone, okay. I want you to guess what that app is. Do you want me to say it out loud? Sure, if you want to. I think it's calendar, but I am not sure. Isn't it funny? We look at our phones like a hundred times a day and we never really pay attention. Why why don't you check really quick and then put your phone back down? Okay. Ah, it is calendar. What do you know? So that's awesome. First of all, for everybody who did this, it's usually about like half the people get it right or at least lie and say they did and half the people get this wrong. Uh Uh, But that's not the real question. The real question is, close your eyes and tell me what was the time displayed on your phone when you just looked at it? Literally no idea. Yeah, you can open your eyes. <laughs> uh, yeah, nobody ever notices that at all. And that's not a flaw of the human brain. That's actually the design of the brain. In the sense that there's so much information coming at us at any moment. And if we were to try to pay attention to all of it, we'd probably go crazy. Yeah. And so what we get really good at, or what the brain is really good at doing, is noticing what we tell it to look for. So I say, look for the app and you'll find it. Yeah. But that means that we miss almost everything else from the time displayed to the temperature in the room to the things going on around us. And that's really for our benefit, so we don't go crazy. But it also means that there's a lot of things that we're just not noticing that are in our blind spots. And my job as a behavioral scientist is to find those things that we think work really well that maybe don't. And those things that we don't even realize we could be doing that would make us far more effective. 
And really where I focus on is how we connect, how we build trust, how we have a sense of belonging or how we influence everything around us. That's and awesome. so that's what I do. I do research to figure those things out. And how about an example of something you've studied? Oh, sure. So here's a, a really kind of ridiculous one that I think you'll get a kick out of. And for this, let's do it as an example where everybody can also participate in uh, okay. wherever they are. I want you to think back to like your 20s. Okay. Right? And you're out on a date and it's like the best date you have ever been on, right? Three hours in, you're head over heels for this person. And you know that that moment where you're like, oh my God, we're going to kiss soon. <laughs> and you look this person in the eyes. And just as you're about to lean in for the kiss, they say the most awful thing you have ever heard. <laughs> and you go home and your friend says, good date or bad date. What do you say? Awful. Yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> it's absolutely terrible. <laughs> and here's what's really ridiculous about us. As human beings, you would think, okay, it was three hours of perfection and three yeah. seconds of something kind of terrible. Yeah. We should average it out, but mm -hmm. we don't. Human beings don't process the length of pleasure or pain. What we remember are the peaks of experiences and how they end disproportionately. This is called the peak end rule, which means that whenever we're doing something, we really want to focus on like these key peak experiences and ending on a positive note. I love that. So how does this audience think about that in the mm -hmm. context of like a real life business scenario? Like how would you think about that in a, in a business scenario? So I think that there's a bunch of different things we can do. First of all, we don't have to worry too much about when we first meet people and stress out that it didn't go perfectly. And what we can really focus on is, are there peak moments throughout the interaction that really stand out? Yeah. Did we surprise them? Did we really provide something that they were thinking of or looking for that made a huge impact? And then how do we make sure that those last moments are really great? Often we can take a meeting that's too long and kind of deteriorates into yeah. nothing. Well, and when things are good, as long as you've gotten what you need to done. I know we often say don't sell past the close. Like oh, sometimes yeah. it's like, you know, you're like, you're done. And then people seem like to keep going. It's like, no, no. good. <laughs> You can give people time back. It's a yeah, great thing to do these days. Who doesn't mind that? That's exactly right. How about another example? Anything else top of mind for you? What seems to be really relevant right now uh -huh. is the way that people are looking at trust. So mm -hmm. in the business world, it's really kind of funny. Like I said in the other examples, we're not logical at all. And when we look to build trust in the business world, we tend to take like a couple of strategies like, Oh, Deb, can I take you out for a fancy dinner and then kind of pitch you for a while? Yeah. Uh, but those dinners, I, I don't know if, if you've had this experience, but they, they're often pretty awkward. Or the other thing that's really funny that we do is we'll have like big parties to impress potential customers and then give them swag bags. Yes. And what do you do with every swag bag you get? I don't know, I don't know where they are. They're in like a closet yeah. somewhere, right? Yeah. Or the trash. You either like or trash them, re-gift them, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so it's so funny, we're literally making an attempt to build connection and trust, but it mostly turns out awkward or devaluing the relationship. We spent all this time and effort and then they actually don't care about it. Yeah. So the question that's really important is what do we do instead? Yeah. Like what actually works? And the weirdest thing is the exact opposite is what actually works best. And that's called the IKEA effect. Okay. And it states that we disproportionately care about our IKEA furniture because we had to assemble it. 
And so anything we put effort into, we care about disproportionately. So my objective shouldn't be to win you over with gifts and experiences necessarily, so much as find ways for us to invest effort into one another so that we actually care more about each other. That's awesome. And then how do you think about like using that knowledge? Like when you think about mm. maybe, and I know you've worked with, with some of the folks here at, at MSUS. I'm just generally curious about how that sort of shows up. So I think the first thing is to realize that we really are doing things backwards and that it's yeah. okay to ask people of things. And the second is that there are a whole bunch of ways we can get people to invest effort into one another. So if I need to meet with you, maybe we take a walk together or go on a run or do a painting class rather than me trying to take you out for dinner, because then we're putting effort into something together. Now, the beauty of that is that one, it costs less and the activity takes the pressure off of the social interaction. Yes. Right. It's much more pleasant because then if we're in an art class or in a sports experience of some kind, then that can carry the weight. The other thing is that me asking you your opinion, getting your advice, getting your expertise, Mm -hmm. even during the sales process saying, hey, what's the best way for us to actually approach your company would get you to invest effort into me and care more about the outcome. And that's counterintuitive. It is. And I think that's one thing that people sometimes are afraid to do that, right? Like I think that, Mm -hmm. but it's actually doing what you're saying, which is creating that connection, which you talk a lot about, you know, just that that ability to stay, to have a a purpose together, which can be incredibly meaningful. Yeah. And it's kind of funny. There's a little secret if you want me to give it to people. Yeah. It's called stacking. Okay. And the way it works is like this. If I stop you on the street and ask you for directions, you probably won't give them to me. Well, maybe you will because you're really nice, but like most people won't. But if I first ask you for the time, which is a small amount of effort, mm-hmm. you'll give me that. And then when I ask for the directions, you'll almost always give me the directions. And it turns out that getting people to put a little bit of effort into the relationship has us be seen as people who are worthy of that effort. I see. And then when we ask for the bigger thing, they're more likely to give it. Now, that's strange because I'm asking for more in total. Yeah. And it's a higher chance of actually getting it. It's one of the things I love about your book because it was what I laughed out loud when you talked about, you know, when you're you're doing your dinners and you're like, hey, mm-hmm. I'm inviting people to cook for me, clean my floors, and they come, you know. So it's this yeah. experience of like sort of drawing people in with creating sort of that facilitation of of trust and relationship, which I think is really cool. I know you've been working with some of the account teams on on this. I'd love if you wouldn't mind sharing a little bit with everyone on some of what you're you're seeing as you're going through that experience with the account teams. Oh, absolutely. So I've been really looking at how do we really create an experience that develops a greater level of trust between MSUS and partner companies or customers. Uh And that's not only leading to greater business results, but also when the relationships are better, it's more enjoyable for everyone involved. Yes, definitely. And so I'm I'm actually working right now with one group that's uh, working with a very large partner. And the contract is signed, work has begun, but it's clear that there's no familiarity and that trust is really low. Yeah. And so we decided to take a two-part strategy for this. The first was to actually begin with the Microsoft team that's servicing them Uh and saying, okay, let's see how we really develop a higher level of trust between the members of this group so that they can function at peak performance 
and also train them on how trust works. Because as you may have noticed, we do most things really backwards. Yeah. Trust is like one of those things that's super backwards. And so that's the first part. Let's do an activity that'll bond them and a training. And then the second part is, how do we create camaraderie between the team at the company that's being serviced uh -huh. and really bond them to the organization? And for that, we're going to do a series of activities so that they feel a real sense of camaraderie. We're going to really build off of that IKEA effect. Look at how can we get people to invest effort into one another so that they feel really familiar with one another and and safe working together. I love this because I think some people miss the first prong. So mm. your point on the internal connection, you know, given that we we have such large teams here, you know, we, we have large organizations that a lot of the folks haven't worked together before, inclusive of our partner community as well. So I love the fact that you're thinking about that internal piece first. And then also working on the piece with the customer, because if the internal piece is messy, which sometimes it is, and they don't have that trust yet, it makes it super hard to execute on the second half of it. So that's awesome. It'll be fun to see how that all, all comes together. I know that I'm sure everybody listening is, is anxious to hear a little bit more about that and hopefully getting involved themselves, which will be pretty cool. For sure. That's great. What about, you know, we're, we're giving these, you know, our teams this chance to really think about how they can engage in workshops and you know things that opportunities they can have and i think for me it'd be great if you can give a little bit of insight on the kind of information you'll share in these learning experiences like what should they expect as they are you know engaging in this opportunity to learn more oh so i'm super excited about this program because as we were designing it we really looked at how do we make the experience as enjoyable as possible. Yeah. Uh, the fact is, I don't think anybody is thinking, wow, what I'd really like are more seminars with checkboxes right. to check. Please, uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and so if we're going to do a training program that's based on human connection, trust, and, and influence, then it needs to accomplish two things. One is you need to walk out feeling like the knowledge that you gained can have an impact on your career, the way yeah. that you interact with clients, coworkers, or even your family. And then it actually has to represent the teachings, meaning that we can't just give you like this stale, cold experience. Yeah. The design of the experience is actually to have you enjoy, have fun, and connect with people within the company. So that way you can feel like you have a, a greater influence within the organization. That's awesome. I mean, I think about this as you're talking because because we are so matrixed in this company, we're so big. Like a lot of these learnings are gonna be wonderful for customers, experiences in relationships with customers and partners, but also it'll help people internally as well, which is, you know, whether we like it or not, is super important when we're trying to solve things for our customers internally, that relationship is as powerful sometimes as the external one. So I'm, everything I'm hearing you say to me says, I can apply that in my life. Like, and to your point too, even personally and with family, which yeah. is really cool. That's awesome. Great. So what do you think people could do like right now? Like we, we tend to be an action biased technical group of folks who like kind of want to get after it. So if you had to say a few things that people Ooh. could go do right now, what would you say? Okay. So I think there's probably like two or three things. The okay. first is this Ikea effect. Uh -huh. It means that we can go out and interact with our customers and maybe invite them to go on a walk or run, whatever it is, or even just ask for their advice. So that way they can feel like they're investing effort. The key is, of course, reciprocity because nobody likes yes. a taker. And this also includes 
coworkers. So don't be scared to ask somebody for some advice. It turns out that asking them for advice actually will cause them to like you more yeah. because they are complimented that you see them as an expert. And then when they invest the effort, they'll like you more. So that's one thing. The second thing I'd say is whatever experiences we have with customers, let's use that peak end rule. Let's look yeah. at how do we really make something that stands out as special, as novel, as different, uh, maybe a surprise is involved, and end on a really positive note. And when we get in, in the training program in the book, yeah. the science of like novelty and the science of, of intermittent rewards, it, like that stuff is super cool and people will be able to apply that very easily. Now, the other thing I'm, I'm sure they're curious about is, will this work on teams? And the answer yeah. is absolutely. Yeah. We do a full coverage of how to make digital experiences as engaging as possible so that it doesn't just feel like some boring WebEx that people log into and fall asleep on and go wash their dishes instead of paying attention to. So don't worry, we're going to <laughs> cover all that. Yeah, I think that that's like just some really easy stuff that you can apply right now. I love it. And I think the one thing that that you talk about that I wondered if you could take a minute on was the concept of getting people when they're open minded. So this oh, for sure. You know, this, the time oh, this is matters. such a, a I would funny, love you to talk about that for a minute. Yeah. Yes. So there's this wild study that was done on the parole system. And the idea is if you are about to go to your parole board hearing and you are hopefully going to be set free. What is the biggest predictor that you're actually going to be set free? Is it time served, good behavior? Like, what's the thing that you need to really focus on? And unfortunately, it was none of the things that you would hope it was. <laughs> the greatest predictor of getting parole was time of day. You had about a 60% chance first thing in the morning, and that steadily went down to zero by right before lunch. Then, uh -huh. after people had a break, it went back up to about 60% and then went down to zero by the end of the day. Now, this is called ego depletion. Okay. When we have to make a lot of decisions and we yeah. get tired, then we become more and more prone to fall on our default answer. And in parole, that's no. Yeah. So this means that if we are trying to get people's attention and get them to be open-minded to something that's new or different, our best bet is to catch them in those times after they've had a moment to reset. Love that. So maybe when you're you're thinking about decision-making periods, mm -hmm. plan wisely <laughs> in terms of, you know, when you might want to be scheduling those meetings and things like that. That's a super good, I mean, you know it kind of innately, just the experience you have with people when it gets late, but it's a really interesting thing to have that, <laughs> the data on the parole thing. That's incredible. Oh yeah, that's, it's totally crazy. One thing that I really wanted you to, to just touch on for a minute was this concept of this is not about manipulating people. So I think sometimes people hear the oh, word yes. influence and they mm -hmm. think, oh, we're get, we're trying to manipulate. But that's not really what you're talking about at all. So I would love it if you just take a minute to talk about that. For sure. So I think the important thing is that our influence, our ability to impact the outcomes in our life or, or people is very different than power manipulation. So power is somebody forcing us to do something. Yeah. And manipulation is when there's an ulterior motive that's not being revealed to us. Gotcha. Now, everything that we cover in the course and in the book is built on a single premise, which is that if I'm going to design something or do something, I need to be willing to tell you why I designed it that way. 
And so if, Deb, I said to you, hey, you know what? Rather than me inviting you to a dinner, I'd love to do an activity with you. Mm-hmm. One is I think it'll let us bond more. Uh-huh. And two, it's going to be a lot more interesting than being in a loud restaurant yelling across a table. Yep. Suddenly what I've done is I've been completely transparent about my intentions. And I think both of us are happier for the process because we end up with a better result. That's awesome. Thank you. I'm going to end on a high note. So this is this has been amazing. So I just I want to thank you, first of all, for the research and the work. I think your book is exceptional. So I highly encourage you out there if you haven't read it. It's such a good read and it's funny. And it's the part I love about it is how you would think the things are obvious, right? But they're not. And that's the piece that I think is so powerful because it doesn't take a lot to actually implement some of the things that you're talking about on a personal level. And that's what I love about it. I love things that you can take in action and that when you have an audience of you know 10,000 people listening, that they can actually go do something with it, which I think is really, really cool. So thank you so much. I know we'll be, we'll be chatting and I'm excited about the work that you're going to be doing with our team. So I really appreciate you being here with us, John. Thanks so much. This has been a blast. Thanks for having me. So I love what John had to share. I hope you did too. One of the examples I love the most is when he talked about how asking for advice or help can really help build a relationship, whether that's a customer or a colleague. It helps to create that connection. And when you think about creating experiences, thinking about an activity that you can both jointly engage in. When you're meeting with somebody, maybe it's the idea of taking a walk together or doing something that creates that connection that might be different and more long lasting. And the second thing I'd say that I liked is when he talked about experiences with customers or anybody to use that peak end rule. You know, you want to end with something on a high note. You don't want to put all that energy in and then have the end sort of drop and have people walking away remembering that last moment. So I think there's so many things here that we can apply. I hope you can all go apply them today. And if you're interested in learning more, I would definitely recommend you check out his book. Hey, thanks so much for listening to the show. If you're not yet a subscriber, please subscribe where you get your podcasts. I'm Deb Cup, and you've been listening to Cup of Sunshine.